Okay, so the in the past we've talked the first segment has been talking about the podcast itself. So I'm going to hold off this time because I think that's the kind of administrivia that is best saved for uh like the la- the final segment or the final whatever the heck kind of uh, as a way to wind down and let people that have been here right from the beginning kind of if people the kind of people that would be excited are the kinds of people that would stay longer. And uh, hopefully it works out that way, that people that want to listen all the way through. It's kind of like the end the, the end credit special scene at the end of movies or these days at the end of uh, YouTube videos, there's going to be like the buy this product or service a little skit that happens at the end. And there might be some little thingy thing at the very, very end for the kind of hardcore fans, right? So I'll do that last segment. Um, my new phone came in really early. It was actually scheduled. I literally checked this morning. It was scheduled to show up on Friday. But I mean, I guess the, the Amazon warehouse had it in stock at that place and they were able to ship it out. I've got like the subscriptions concept that exists in Amazon is actually quite good. I use it um I use it kind of because I'm lazy but it's a it's a good way of uh, cuz I'm buying it's the equivalent of buying things in bulk so I buy things on a schedule uh more frequently than I consume them and so what that means is that I will have a set of unconsumed items piling up so it's kind of like buying in bulk I'm just taking longer to do that of note, I'm doing that. You can do this for like canned goods and stuff like that. That's pretty obvious. But I'm doing it for things like um, my various vitamins and stuff like that. Because some of them last for a couple of years. And just be aware that some of these things, uh, the best before date isn't a suggestion. Because something like vitamin C, if it goes past its best before date, it's actually an expiry date. The entire purpose that a lot of people take vitamin C for is its antioxidant properties. Now, and that's a little bit of a weird one because oxidation isn't a bad thing necessarily. It's how your immune system functions. So like there's no concept of getting rid of it. It's just a thing. But in terms of just the the free nonsense that happens in your body, antioxidants are generally a good idea. So people take vitamin C for stuff like that. And and so it's also out of the way. Vitamin C does not help you not get a cold or a fever or flu or anything like that, nor does it help you get over it. So neither the one nor the other. Um, it does help with your immune system in general, which will do those things. So um, so it's half wrong. And vitamin C, if it goes past its its date, it actually starts doing the opposite. So it starts actually being a... Uh, a problem that introduces the the stuff that people wanted to get rid of in the first place so but for uh, for a lot of stuff if it's kept in a in a out of sunlight absolutely out of sunlight this is why they're in hard containers and why if they have transparency it'll be like the dark green um if it's kept in a cool dry place which isn't everywhere right 
then they'll keep for a couple of years. Just look at the bottle. So some, something like my vitamin E, I've determined that I must have that. I must have that every day without fail forever for the rest of my life. And uh, so I'm, I intend to have a solid probably two-year supply on hand always and then just have a subscription, assuming, you know, I think Amazon's going to be around. Uh, and assuming I can still get it, I can always switch to another product or another product, but you never know. And I'll just, I'll always have it on hand. And this technically gives me the ability to, once I've bought all this stuff, to cut off my purchasing more of it because I have it already. So theoretically speaking, if you've got stuff saved up because you've bought in bulk, you then can ride out a small emergency. So for example, if you've spent upfront more of your grocery budget on long-term stuff, you've gotten rid of junk food, for example, and you, you got rid of junk food and you learned to cook, including learning to bake treats and stuff like that, because you can do some great stuff. You don't have to go out and eat your muffins. You can make your own. And, but you've done that sort of thing and you've taken the extra money and you've bought, you bought um, bulk instead. After X number of months, when you have a pantry that's full, you should have a pantry that's full of three months of food. So you don't, you don't, you cannot starve. And not only can you not starve, you have decent variety. Like canned goods will last a long time. So why not have a few months of the stuff that you want? Even if it's just like generic soups of various kinds, stews, something like that. Variety. Uh, because people think in terms of like rice and pasta and all this kind of stuff. And that's going to keep, sure, that's going to keep, but that's not like real food food. Unless you know what you're doing and you can make sauces and you understand spices, which, which stay good for a long time, but I'm sure there are chefs that will cringe and they talk about fresh ingredients and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got bad taste and stuff and I don't really know how to cook, but no, so my stuff is years old and has been dried out, and but it's better than nothing, right? So theoretically speaking, you could have some of those, those boring things, like you could have dry chickpeas somewhere, right? And those are just awful, but if you know how to cook them, et cetera. But imagine that it's been, it's been a rough month, right? You have the ability, you have developed the ability, you've invested in your food, you have the ability to not buy groceries one month. And that might represent a couple of hundred dollars, depending on you, right? Depending on um, how you do things. So that means that if something happens and that something is important enough, nothing changes about your life because you still have the food that you already bought. In fact, technically, it makes your life a little bit easier because you're not buying groceries that much. You're not going out to do that or you're not getting deliveries or whatever. So there's a stress that happens. And technically, your stress is, is down a little bit because you're not doing the groceries related stuff, and you now have access to all that money. And that's not something, obviously, that you can continue for more than a few months. But that's one of the ways that you can have an option in there. And so if you're reaching for excuses to save up, to save money, to have something, or you've got anxiety with respect to emergencies that pop up maybe your life is just like that is just full of stuff or you know like 
there are a lot of people that grew up um, probably poorer than they needed to, but at least poor, and that stuck with them. That was a that was a damaging experience as a child, and it stuck with them as an adult, and it gives them certain problems as an adult. And so uh, I personally, uh, the experience of my having a bunch of food stored up is really wonderful, but I've got binging problems. So for example, I had all of four boxes of these protein bars and I could sit down and eat them all in one day just because I'm like that. And I can say that because I've done that. And so during one of our breaks, I'll probably eat a box of it. It's like four bars or something like that. And, and I've, and I've talked about the, the store that had a sale on, it had a sale on cereal of all things. So I bought basically all of it and I, I would, that would be breakfast and lunch. And it's the same thing with these granola bars. And uh, I, I probably put on weight because of that. So I have to manage what I have access to, but when I've got enough and I've got bounty and I've got stuff that I have to cook, so it's inconvenient for, for me to binge, um, then then food anxiety is better. Or then I can, there's a certain angle that I can stand in in my kitchen and there's just food. And that's a very different experience. For, if you've never done that in your life, if you've, you've never had that, um, then you, you should pursue that. You should experience that soon. Right? Don't, don't put that off. That's not a bucket list thing. But it is a very, it's a very different experience. Um, so, so yeah, I had food come in, come delivered alongside my phone, and I think that's why I got my phone a lot earlier than I, I than I was expecting. Certainly, than I should have, because that wasn't their plan. So they just they had they had a schedule for if it would ship out based on other stuff based on if it would ship out alone. But I happen to have already had stuff scheduled and kind of being packaged and on the way. So they kind of threw it in that box. And uh, and I actually get it dropped off at my door because I've got a relationship with my my post office and the delivery guys. So they'll like drop it and hopefully they'll knock on the door and hopefully I'll hear it, right? But so it means like, I act that's why I was checking this morning to see if I was expecting any packages so that I don't have to constantly go and look at the door. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm fiddling around with that and, uh, it's got Android 10, which is new to me. And I spent a significant amount of time trying to figure that out. And one of the, I mean, it's okay. I'm from a different generation. So, so we used to have documentation for our software. Like it, it would come with a physical manual and it was a really significant thing. And then it kind of migrated into the programs themselves having help that you could get at, often baked right into it, sometimes with like little tutorials and stuff like that. Um, and now we've gone to that kind of exists Maybe it's kind of a desktop thing. There's some assumptions about themes. If you know kind of how to use this one program here, the, some of the concepts are available in this other program over there, like competing programs uh, borrow kind of usability from one another, not necessarily features, but very frequently. And 
it's it's inconsistent still because I, I i honestly don't know i assume it's the preference of each developer to do things to solve their own problem in their own unique way and they just want to do things the way they want to do things or maybe, maybe they just don't know any better so they don't know for example um one person might be really used to the opera web browser being able to middle click and then kind of scroll around like that and they go to another web browser and it can only do up and down or it can't do it at all something like this where where different programs can't agree maybe because they don't use one another's product or they don't have users that have used the different products and have asked for these things so they're kind of inconsistent but i'm playing with android and there's there's nothing at all ever anywhere it's it's the strangest thing because i'm trying to do basic stuff like okay well the big feature about android 10 is you can swipe differently and you can get rid of the bottom buttons like my device just has a big screen it doesn't have uh, because my previous phone has a physical button at the bottom and it's actually got a bezel that's thicker on the bottom and the top and it has it thicker on the top because it's got the camera in there and it's thicker at the bottom because it has the home button there and presumably it just wants the extra space to put electronics in there because it's got the headphone jack in one place and so maybe it's got some components in there and it doesn't have the the thickness to maybe they're cost cutting on the screen and maybe maybe right um but this other phone uh it doesn't do that it just punches a hole in the screen and it has the camp front-facing camera there and then at the bottom it's just more screen and the concept of a home button is just part of the touch experience of it so you swipe up from the bottom to get to the home screen which is uh i'm still getting used to that and then you swipe from the left and from the right either of those means back um and i guess that's depending on your the size of your hand and where you like flicking from and um switching to a previous application i'm not entirely sure how how to do that faster um but but you you can kind of the equivalent of if you're using windows 10 windows tab is kind of like alt tab but it actually expands a display of all the different programs that you have running it's very very nice because you can actually physically see and it's a little bit easier um for some people to recognize what they were working on rather than alt tab and try to remember the name of the program specifically it sounds weird but it's easier for me to select things sometimes so I'll, i will sometimes use that because it's just an, as easy as alt tab so android has the gestures thing which took me forever to figure out to get to i had to previously i was i was looking through youtube videos specifically for tutorials because who knows what other neat things I've I never experienced because I had actually I bought my previous phone one of the selling points was it had some reasonably recent version of Android and it was a selling point of this phone to get the latest version of of Android it turns out that there are like there's Android 10 and then there's Android 10 so there's updates that go with that but they're not point releases so it's not like a 10.1, 10.2. And uh, this thing, theoretically speaking, it hasn't been updated since I think, I think it's March, maybe February. Um, and, but I, I learned how I could update it if I wanted to, 
And of course, I learned all the adventures that other people have had. Uh, so I don't know that I will actually bother with that. Maybe I should do that right away so that if I brick it or do something stupid, I can return it. So maybe I'll get around to that uh, sooner rather than later because I haven't started setting it up because I can't sync. And I can't sync because I don't use Google Drive because that's creepy. But you can actually sync from your phone up to Google Drive and then down from Google Drive out into a second, into a new phone. Um, I presume that I could use both phones simultaneously at that point. Only one would have a SIM, the SIM. So, uh, But if I wanted to use my old one as a media player or something like that, I wouldn't want to have to set it up from scratch or anything strange. Um, but I think I'm just going to do everything by hand and uh, not let Google have my stuff, know my stuff. Because uh, I sideloaded a lot of stuff and I'm using a lot of uh, open source stuff that's done through the, it's like a the App Store, but it's an open source free software version called F-Droid. And there's even other uh, replacements for that interface itself that just uses the same repository concept that this third-party service maintains. So they, they act kind of like Google app, acts for the Google App Store, but they do it for a curated set of applications that are more sensitive to privacy, stuff like that. So there are projects that are open source, projects that are specifically low, what would we say, like low permissions. So you don't have um, a, a sound recorder app that has access to your contacts, even though there might be an excuse that one developer might have, which is, well, you can you can easily blah, blah, blah. And there's reasons, but some of it is just creepy. And so this other app store is there, but I, I don't necessarily want Google to know about me doing that kind of thing necessarily. So I don't want to sync up to that, all these other applications, since the entire point of these applications is to have privacy and security and stuff like that. And um, letting Google get it that stuff is is defeats the purpose so the other thing that i got this phone for which i was about to tinker with if if i wasn't here live right now i'd probably be playing with it i literally have it in my hand this it's uh an nfc device i didn't know what nfc was when i bought it i thought it was just a phone thing but my old phone didn't have that and i had no way of understanding what was going on, why this didn't work or anything like that. I actually ended up talking to the, the owner of the company. And do you so want my ring to this. play around with it? Sorry? Do you want my ring to play around with it? You're, no, no, I've got it in front of me. So NFC ring. Or... Yeah. So I, I bought a device uh, a while ago. It's called a dimple. And it's, it's a set of buttons that I can stick literally with a sticker on the back of a phone or a case or whatever. So this new phone, it actually does have NFC. And I didn't have time. I was running through some, like, it's not engineering mode. It's like a the lowest level manufacturer nerd in the white lab coat engineering mode before Android boots up. Um, and it's got a, a test mode for um, for everything, really. I need to go through the screen stuff because that, that seems cool. But it's got an NFC testing feature. And I went through it and it, it, everything failed. So I'm not really sure what I'm doing. 
And this device probably isn't correct for doing that. So I'll just do a setup like a normal person. That's the entire point of this phone is to pretend to be a normal person and act like normal people and use a phone like normal people. But I can't figure out how to use the thing because it's just an awful, awful interface. So that's the other reason I bought this. It's NFC. I don't know. It explicitly supports Google Pay via NFC, which is, I'm assuming, the thing that you give your banking information to and it lets you waive your phone instead of a credit card, which I don't see the point. It's not like it's hard to pull out my wallet. Like, I, no, it really, it's kind of sad. It's a little bit more of a tactile experience that I kind of like, but maybe I'm old and grumpy and I just like to each their own. Every time I go out with friends, say one person uses his phone to pay for everything or for his portion. I'm trying to think of would, would there be a time when I just wouldn't carry my credit card anymore? Cause I can't imagine there ever being a time Mm. like, is there going to be circumstances where that's how you pay for stuff or that's your proof or right? Who knows? So I'm not, I mean, plus I think I'm, because my other phone, I actually don't have any kind of locking functionality. You just press the button and it, it's there. And I might actually continue that trend. I'm not sure. I might, I don't know where it is on this phone, on this version of Android, I guess, but there's a, a whole system encryption setup. I might just do that and then use a screen lock. Um, I'm I'm not convinced that I care right now. Um, and partly it's because my previous phone was it's like a it's like a play phone, right? It's like you've you've got the uh, easy bake set for kids, like a little play set, and it lets you kind of think about cooking and think about the oven and stuff like that. But it's like little little toys, like little plastic things. It's kind of how I was treating my old phone. It's, it's I knew that it would be slow and I knew that it would be et cetera. But the, it turns out it was just great. It did everything that I wanted. I never had any limitations on anything I was trying to do ever, including like, I don't understand why people are trying to upsell either storage space or um, or internal memory. Because, I mean, I, I, I could run everything. And I can't even remember. What does this have? Two gigs of memory? That's a crazy amount. Considering that apps, Android apps, are, are pretty light as they are. Like, really, it's, an, it's insane how... how feature capable these this hardware is android isn't good enough to actually utilize it all which is frustrating and this new phone just it's it's an order of magnitude better than the previous one the screen alone is incredible not just because it's bigger or the way it's laid out and stuff but the the tech is higher quality and so it's I guess I could say, well, I didn't know any better, so I was easily impressed by the first phone, which is true. But keep in mind, that was my first smartphone. That happened a couple of years ago, I guess. And smart smartphones, the idea and the technology, like the hardware, was mature at that point, very mature. So the stuff that I got had been tested, tried and true from generations of other people that cared a lot 
And so what I got really was a refined version of, uh, of the, I mean, it wasn't cutting edge, right? But even though it was uh, older tech, even though it was less powerful tech, it was, it still inherited generations, years of technology. And so what I was using, it was quite good. It was quite good. Um, and I didn't know any better. So my innocence let me be impressed. And I, I'm glad. I'm glad I had that experience. Um, I, I did it a little wrong because I thought I was getting a great deal with this phone. And I ordered it. And it took me something like three months for it to get to me. Because I, I, well, more than that, actually, since I ordered. Because I got a deal alongside some other people to reserve this phone when it shipped. So I was like, right along. I was one of the first customers for this phone. Not that it was high tech or anything like that. It just happened to be a new model, um, a, a non-impressive newer product. And so I kind of pre-ordered the thing. And it turns out that no, no, phones in that class are, are common. I could have just bought one and had it shipped over in a, inside of a week. I could have walked to a store and bought something for that price. Um, so, I mean, learning lesson for all kinds of stuff, uh, all kinds of stuff. And I also, I mean, it was a good experience to use it seeing as, as past tense, because I'm, I'm going to set it aside as kind of a backup phone for if slash when I drop and break this other phone, because it's got a glass screen and the other one has a plastic screen. So, like I said, it's like the... It's like the easy bake set. It's the Fisher price of phones. And I've dropped it. It doesn't, it doesn't care. So it's, it's made quote unquote cheap. Um, so it, it works just, it works better than just barely, but, but still. So, so I'm not going to be using that, that old phone as soon as I get things figured out. Um, and I lost my train of thought, but I could have, I could have not gone through the hell of waiting months for this phone and just bought something else. So that is among the lessons I learned. But the most important thing I learned is that all the software on Android, this this is the same experience I had with a Mac. It, it, I, I got a Mac Mini. My, my work was like, we had a, a Mac advocate that we hired at a business I was in. And he, uh, he upsold getting Macs for stuff because reasons. And they're not good reasons because Macs just aren't actually very good and they're overpriced. But the, the money bags, the, the guy carrying the purse didn't know any better. So he said, yes. So we got like a bunch of, bunch of Macs and I had just one plunk. I was like, eh, I've never used a Mac. I don't really care. I've heard bad things, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the Mac mini was new. And so I had one plunked down on my desk. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll fiddle with this in my spare time. and. I did, and it's nice. It was a nice piece of hardware. Everything looked great. I had to replace every piece of software that came with it because it was all trash. I mean, it was all barely good enough. And this was a problem that Microsoft learned the hard way. Well, not that they learn. Where technically speaking, if your setup, if your operating system or your hardware or whatever the heck um, is so good that it that it pushes out like third-party developers, Technically speaking, those other people are competitors to that component. And so it's, it's a thing where it, 
I'm sure that if Apple were to provide the best version of whatever the heck, um, then there might be there might be problems. So I was using it and everything, just like the the way you browse with files is kind of awkward and and your image viewer is kind of awkward and your editor for texts is kind of awkward and and it's like um ms paint so microsoft paint the if you if you were to open it now the thing that you would get um is a crippled version of what used to be available in a previous generation of windows not that MS Paint is any good, because it's a long-running joke for a reason. But a previous version of MS Paint let you work with transparent images. And you can't anymore. Why? Well, the feature was just removed. Why? There's no compatibility reason or anything like that. It was just removed on purpose. Now, I know it's on purpose because I went back to a previous generation of Windows and just copied that one single file, because that's all the program is. And I can just run it and it just works. So I know they, they could have just copy pasted that file and included it with Windows 10 and it would have worked, but they chose not to. They chose not to because of um, competition reasons. That's the only thing I can think of. So just like the Mac thing, I'm looking at Android and everything sucks. Everything is just awkward and so, just somebody thought something cute was a good idea. Or somebody, they didn't eat their own dog food. They never tried their own stuff. And it's just, it's just kind of bad. So I've got to replace the keyboard. I have to get a real file manager. I've got to get a real music player. Got to, well, okay. I don't, I happen to not like Chrome. So I use Brave instead. Not that it's very good either. Um, but I make money off of using that web browser. So I may as well. Um, and I like better ad blocking and privacy. So there's that and you know everything else is just a little bit better. If I if I get another camera app, it's going to be better. If I'm going to like and that has to be true otherwise it's anti-competitive to have everything for them to be tryhards and make everything good. Then then no other third-party developers would theoretically approach their platform unless they're extremely specialized and know what they're doing with some fancy stuff. Um great example of that is because I was looking for a documentation and tutorials for Android. So I bumped into all kinds of stuff and I don't remember the name of the program and maybe I bookmarked it. I don't care to go look at it, uh, to look through my history or whatever. And it was literally earlier today. Some uh, it's like camcorder type, type stuff. And so you think it's just a replacement for their the video, the photo applications that come with Android. And it's an example of something that that would not be generated, would not be created by a try-hard version of Android in some parallel universe because it had extremely specific professional photographer level, videographer type stuff for doing all kinds of of I don't know what the term would be. So it's not post-production, which is what I would do, because I think it's a stupid idea. It Their stuff is like during recording modification of the data before it hits the disk. And we've seen this kind of thing with, oh, 
this new this new phone has a beauty mode, right? So it's it's just a software thing where there are filters like Instagram filters and stuff like that for people to put like little flowery halos and butterflies and stuff and it, it tracks their head movement and and that's all adorable and stuff and this thing has a uh, a beauty mode that I I'm not sure what some of it does cuz I'm you know I'm I've got the permanent tan going so it's not like I can get rosy cheeks or anything like that but it's got stuff to like thin out your cheeks and make your eyes make your eyes look bigger but it's kind of like making your eyeballs look bigger or and it's just the creepiest stuff ever uh it's, and it's just wrong because it wobbles a little bit as it's recording as it's trying to keep up with the changes that it's making so specifically your eyes if you change the size of your eyes and you look carefully or if you just make it the extreme change it's it's insane. It, it your eyes kind of wobble around. It's 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 creepy. It's really creepy. But that's an example of of editing during recording. And a specialized company making a program that has functionality like that, like color adjustment and stuff like that. The the during production stuff, that's an example of high-end professional level features that a third party could make and sell that wouldn't compete even with a really well created stock piece of software. So there's still going to be a place for that stuff, but the hobbyist market would just be wrecked if like, let's say the Android developers made a fine, fine version of everything, of everything they could. Um, so I, I end up, I needed on my previous phone a lot of time to figure out how to replace as many things as I could. Cause like how, cause I think like a desktop user. So I want to browse files. I want to find an MP3. I want to click it. I want it to play on Android. You need to open up your music player. You use its file picker, which will be different from a good one. Cause it'll be some shit thing that they put together, which, which is, you know, adequate. Or it's using some, it's using the built-in stuff, which is no good, as as I said. Um, and whether or not you can like play it in the background while you're doing other stuff, there's a lot of media players that just won't do that. They expect you to have that as the program that's running, which so you can't do other stuff on a phone, which was the other frustrating thing. You you can only run one thing at a time, technically. And I had I had split screen functionality on my old phone, which I never actually used once, because the phone is small. So what's the point? Uh, but that would have kind of taken care of the problem. You split screen your media into one half or whatever, and you continue with the rest of your three quarters the size phone. But I, that's one of the adventures that I had to go on to find a, an actual media player. And I appreciated it so much that I did actually get around to spending money on it. Uh, partly because the developer decided that he couldn't afford to do it for free anymore. So he created a, a he worked to make additional features that would be worth money. And he, he kept, he still maintains what I had been using before for free. So technically speaking, I didn't need to do anything 
right? So the software was still going, it still worked. He's not taking features away, which is what some people do. Um, and I appreciated what he accomplished. And he makes a set of tools. Uh, they're literally called simple. So it's like simple file manager, simple photo, simple contacts, this kind of stuff. And I actually bought several of them. So I'm, I'm quite happy about that. That actually reminds me, I guess, I guess my phone has to have the logins I just set up so that I can download those apps and have them already register. It's been so long that I can't remember how, how I even bought these programs in the first place. Um, cause my phone doesn't save my credentials. Um, at any rate, at any rate, moving right along. Um, oh no, not moving right along. I did want to mention a couple other things cause the, the, the stuff that I learned. So after I bought the thing, there's the opportunity where you have something called buyer's regret, which is, it often happens like, imagine you go down an aisle and you pull something off the shelf and it's the same old, it's a product, you know, and like, so, and you need, right? So you, you jar of jam and it's in your shopping basket and you're, you're walking through the aisle, but you're walking through the aisle past a bunch of different other choices. And you're wondering if whether or not you should try something new or whether or not you're getting the best of what's possible. And there's something, so that's one piece of psychology. There's another piece of psychology where you've paid the money for the thing and, but your, your mind wanders and you're not really sure if you made the right cost decision. You're not sure maybe you got ripped off. And so I had a whole lot of that going through my head and I did a bunch of research to it. It helps me feel good about my purchase when I do some research and get a bunch of positive reviews. I don't go looking for that stuff, but that tends to be what shows up. And I learned a bunch of the negative things and man, look through Amazon reviews. Whenever you're buying something, you should look through Amazon reviews. If you use Amazon. And look for the one stars, look for a product. And it's got like a fishy review. Look through the, like it's got three stars or something like that and go and look at the, cause a lot of people might say, well, no, and would, would go to the next product, but don't do that. Go. If it's got like a couple of hundred review, reviews, let's say, which is respectable, go and look at the, the quote unquote top rated low reviews, the critical reviews. And some of them are hilarious. and they just reveal how dumb the the shopper was. So it's like, I dropped my phone and the screen cracked one star. <laughs> like what? <laughs> okay. No. And so, you know, if, if the one stars are all kind of like that, it's just, it's user error. It's stuff that you wouldn't do. Um, you, you know that you can kind of dismiss those things and you can take the other kind of four star reviews a little more seriously. Maybe the five stars are from fanboys or from or like shill accounts or whatever the heck, right? So maybe you're too paranoid about those, but you look at the four stars, you look at some honest reviews that have some negative points. And I did that kind of with this phone. I bumped around and I found some people who were like, I have audio problems after I updated to this. And you're looking at it and it's this this user created 
like non-developer version of whatever the heck that has this as one of its listed known problems with a solution, with a workaround. It's like you disable Google Assistant. So there's a lot of dumb person reviews that, that you'll probably find rather interesting. So I, I, and that's what I bumped into. So I don't really have much buyer's regret. There are some physical things that I really don't understand slash like. Like there's a raised screen with curved edges on the glass, which at first glance, that's dumb because you want a bezel on your phone. If you have a bezel-less phone, you're an idiot. First off, because it depends on how you hold your phone. So if this is an upgraded phone for you and you already know what you want, okay, I can respect that. But for somebody who's fairly new, or whatever, based on your size of hand, the bezel-less design might actually mean your fingers would constantly bump up the edges of the screen, and that might mean something, depending on the program you're using or whatever the heck. Android 10 seems to be good about that. So th this phone has that. So it's a little annoying, and that actually makes the phone more vulnerable to self-destruction if it ever bumps into the wrong thing. And I see before my earlier mentioning of glass versus plastic the material matters and this is why people have cases and that's just adding more bulk so why i mean why even have no bezel why have curved glass it's essentially raised but has a curved edge and the other problem with having a curved glass surface for your screen is if you wanted to put a screen protector down on that your screen protector can't curve to it. The physics of that does not exist. So if you had one flat sheet, this is the wrapping paper problem. If you've ever looked at the corners of wrapping paper, you've got to fold it just so, so it kind of wraps in on itself. So you get a lot of triangles at the edges and that works for a rectangular square box. But if it was curved, you kind of infinitely have to make those triangles and you end up with just this weird ragged surface. And the phone would be like that. You can imagine that you could lay a, a large film of plastic over top of it, and it would lay flat, and it would be fine. And you could wrap the side wings around the side, and it would make the sides perfect. And you could wrap the top and bottom wings over the top and bottom, but what you're gonna do about the corners? You got the wrapping paper problem where, okay, well, I guess you can pinch them off, and then kind of fold them and pick your preference for one side. But you're going to have like a little pointy bit, or it's going to be a little bit weird. And you can't get a product that comes curved, which is the problem with screen protectors. They don't come pre-curved for your specific model of phone, even though you could probably sell a $40 one to somebody that has an iPhone, because iPhone users are like that. They want to be ripped off. It makes them feel better. And if you wanted to get like a glass screen protector, which is actually one that I'm, I'm going to have coming in next week, it cannot be the size of your screen. It cannot respect the curve unless it's made like that. Good, good luck finding that out of glass as a glass screen protector. Plastic, maybe. Glass, not a chance. And I can imagine people like, if you were to get uh, like shaded sunlight blocking a screen for your window you like you can scrape it on i can imagine something like that kind of or like using a blow dryer or something for a wrap on a screen 
Not for glass, not gonna happen. The problem you have is that protector can't be the size of your screen. And so that means you've got this weird rounded edge surface, which is already strange. And then you've got a gap before it gets straight and maybe a little bit more, just a little bit. And then you've got the, the raised and then the surface of the glass in my case, or the plastic film. This, this phone actually came with a quote unquote pre-installed screen protector, which I, I'm going to have to make this, the decision as to whether or not I should pull that off. And they come with all phones. It's just a factory protection thing. Well, this this is the proper screen protector. It's not like the little like mine has a list of features on it that I pulled off, right? It's got a little tab where you can do that. This has nothing. It's literally installed. So I'm not really sure how to pull it off. So that might be that might just stop me dead until I figure that out. But the glass thing, it's it even ha it has to have the proper cutout for the camera because this this has the hole for the front facing camera and it's going to sit in such a way that i'm going to have edges that i can't that are just not the same as the rest of the screen and it turns out that i think that might be a good thing and maybe that's the mental gymnastics i have to play to justify that i spent the money and so that i don't feel bad about wasting money but the gestures that occur for Android 10 require swiping from the extremes of the screen, which is different from swiping within different boundary within an application. So it's a way of you communicating with the operating system versus the application. So it's like the alt key on your keyboard is meant to have modifiers for the program you're looking at, but the windows key is meant for interacting with the windows itself. So you should be able to press windows D to get to your desktop or windows r to open up a run dialog but alt whatever the heck might pull up a menu or it might do whatever the heck like in a web browser uh look at wikipedia any page and press alt shift f and it'll hop your cursor to the search bar um and those are called access keys for the disabled and they're really useful and they're really useful for people like me that need to go places fast so there's an advantage with um, media wiki it's the, the software engine that that website runs so there's on a phone that lip caused between the difference in the curvature plus a screen protector means that i my thumb has to know if i'm say i'm swiping with whatever my digit has to know the difference between the curve and that edge and inside the screen. And this is actually a physical difference between these zones that so far seems to be helping me get used to the idea of the alt key versus the windows key, right? So I can swipe from that side of the edge of the screen protector. And I know, cause I can physically feel it swiping from there in um, becomes really obvious. It becomes much more tactile. Right now, I just have the sense of touch for this tiny little plastic layer. But once it's a glass layer, it's going to be however many times thicker, right? So I think that's I think that's something that I'm going to like. I think right now, 
Um, I'm going to fiddle with it, fiddle with it for um, my NFC and for I've got a Bluetooth thing that I can talk about when we get back. So we're going to take a break. We're going to be back in about 10 minutes. I'll see you soon. I'm mostly back. Took me that long to get a snack, and I'm trying to figure out NFC on this phone. It's kind of annoying. And uh, it's the strangest thing. So this is the dimple. And the dimple is a setup of NFC buttons. It's really cute and all. But here's the thing. I couldn't figure out how the heck to get it working. Because their website doesn't have instructions. There's a URL given on the box. And if I had lost that, I, I would never know. Would never have any idea. And so their website had like frequently asked questions, but no instructions. The URL given on the package for instructions doesn't work. Like, it's not hard, guys. Just get it right. And so, okay, I've got I've got it working now. Um, and now what? NFC. I'm looking at settings. It's supposedly turned on. Try out the location. What does try out the location mean? Long hold a button. Oh shit! Magic. Okay, it sees it. Okay, never mind then. I'm not used to magic. Everything that I've used has been hard so far on, on an Android. Okay, so uh, it's asking for a tutorial. Let's uh, set that aside. And since I can't show you stuff that I'm working on, I'm not going to bother. I actually have the ability, Android 10 has the ability to, to record the screen that you're looking at without a, a third-party application. So that's My wonderful. My tablet, which is like a few generations younger, Sorry? My tablet a few generations older can do it as well. Well, like built in? Yeah. Oh, cool. And so maybe I'm just out of date, mm -hmm. but people are people are saying that that's new to Android 10. So that's weird. But they're also saying that this kind of thing, like a whole bunch of stuff, has already been available in like developers have the ability to, well, actually they're required to package their own operating system that's that's been geared towards the phone. And this is necessary because they have their unique combination of hardware, which is very odd to me because that's that's a software issue that's basically like drivers. And it should just be Android has the drivers for their stuff. And they just shouldn't use the obscure hardware until they make the drivers and then give them to Google and it gets packaged into Android. I don't understand why Android hasn't had the idea of an Android operating system for real. It took them 10 versions, 10 major, major release versions. That that is finally being thought about in Android 11. <laughs> so, so what's happening is the, I suspect, these the manufacturers are being a little bit lax on security updates and other stuff and they're waiting for to provide a pathway to 11 and they'll just have their phone they'll provide one last one last kit for flashing their phones over to android 11 and then the 11 experience will act like a desktop in that it will let a person update from google um at their at their leisure like security and updates and stuff will be 
push just like the Play Store. What's interesting is I've already seen some functionality like that on 10. So maybe it's in on 10 already. I'm not entirely sure. Because even setting up, here's, <laughs> I know half of Google uh, is nefarious because I insisted on not having Wi-Fi and it has no SIM card. It's got no data connection at all. And this phone still acted and said that there are updates available. Bro, how do you know? <laughs> I just unboxed it. And I just unboxed it, and it's claiming that it knows that there are updates. I know that there are updates. I know that there are updates because because I don't think the phone would have been updated in some time. So my, microphones work differently. So this is a stereo microphone called a Blue Yeti Nano. And it has a feature called cardioid mode. Cardioid is like a heart shape where um, it tries to, tries to perceive one direction more preferably than others. So it's not like active noise reduction, which has extra microphones that listen and then try to that modify the sound stream and filter out some stuff selectively. This isn't quite like that. Um, and so one of the problems with having a phone, uh, a, a microphone setup where if I'm, in my case, I was turning my head to a phone. If I'm not talking in a consistent manner, the audio that you, the listener would get will change quite drastically. So if I'm not talking into a mic or in my case, I'm actually not talking into the mic, I'm talking into my monitor my mic is on an angle to one side to make sure my plosives are gone, which they're still there sometimes. And I think modifying my speech will help, but moving the microphone has absolutely helped a lot. And yes, I have a pop filter and yes, I could put on a second pop filter if I thought that would help, but it doesn't. And that technology is kind of dubious at any rate, at any rate. So yeah. Um, what else do I have to talk about? Um, oh, speaking of buying stuff on Amazon, I ordered a nozzle for a garden hose. And it's weird losing a word. I, I couldn't figure out what the word was for the thing on the end of a hose. So, so I had to like poke around and explore until I got the right recommendations that reminded me of the word. I, I hope I don't go mad when I get older. But I went and I bought, and it was on sale. So I'm like, okay, well, it was on sale. It was it was twenty dollars, ten dollars off, and this is Canadian, so it's really inexpensive. And it broke on the second use. So so I'm working. I think I'm going to work on returning that because it's not too much of a big deal. But that reminded me of of a basic. It's a it's a general life lesson. And the life lesson goes, if you're young, going, well, going from high school into university tends to just be an extension of a person's childhood. You don't know what you want in life. Therefore, you do whatever. You do this. It ends up sinking a person into debt. You become a slave for 20 years. You're paying interest on something. when You shouldn't even be doing that. All because, you know, your dad didn't teach you right. And so you're, you're, you're. This, your, the start of your adult life is wrecked, is crippled. And so people, so that's the reason. 
Okay, that's that's the reason pe people go into school. But withdrawing from the extension of childhood argument into spending money for for getting smarter. Now, knowledge isn't being smart. There's a lot of people that know stuff that are idiots. And uh, especially coming out of university, if you don't get the right courses, then it doesn't mean you're going to be a functional adult because that doesn't just come with age. And it doesn't mean you're going to get a job because that doesn't come with the wrong education. You you get the, if you get any job, it's like, I have made fun of people that have like general arts degrees. That's what they're going for. And I'll ask them like, what job do you want to get? What does that do? And they're like, shrug, I don't know. I'll figure out what I want to want in, you know, by next year. <laughs> and it's two years in and I still haven't figured it out. And they're spending money. Like a clock is ticking. And it, they would save money by being unemployed, by, by not going to school and just sitting. They save money by not being in debt. At any rate, there's the concept of spending money to get smart. There's two ways of doing that. You can spend money, you can go and get educated. If you're the type, let's just say you're the type, that is a fine path to take. And people understand. Take money, spend money, gain, whatever. There's another way of doing that called hard knocks, where you take your money, you still spend your money, you have a life experience, and then you learn. And that's, that's the thing. There are going to be cases in life where, like me buying this nozzle on sale, I got to learn that a thing is on sale often because it's bad. I didn't see reviews, but I saw a discount. Got a life lesson. I need to actually commit that to memory. I need to make that a life lesson that is worth the money I spent. Now that was only 10 bucks. I could choose to eat that money as a, as a way of reinforcing having learned that lesson. I could do that. I could also take the effort to return it and make sure that effort means something, make sure it's hard enough, make sure that this thing sticks. And that is 10 bucks for me to learn a, a life lesson about the value of products or about checking reviews or about quality or, to be, or about being steadfast in a, a kind of a personality where I can stand my ground, I can demand a refund, where all of these things end up being possible. But it's not like learning better algebra. It's something else. It's something else that still matters and modifies you as, as an adult. And it only costs 10 bucks. And the thing is, you could go to school, and most people aren't the type, but you could go to school and you could take a class in philosophy. Um, I would recommend you do, and you take seriously, and you actually learn for realsies statistics. Because then you learn about liars when you learn about statistics. Because that is a much better, much deeper skill set than anything than most people can, most people will ever realize. If your politicians don't understand statistics, they should not be in that job. Because that's the one way that they are lied to. And they will repeat that lie to you. And everyday people will fall for it. And they will make, every, everyone will make your life hard because they are basing their stuff on numbers that sound good and might be true and are massaged in such a way because they're interpreted. And nobody knows that. 
because they don't understand how statistics work and they don't understand the, the social problems surrounding it. So if you want to spend money and get something that was valuable to you as a, as a human acting in the world to become something like wiser, then spend it on learning statistics. But if you're not the school type, I mean, you can learn statistics online if, if you'd have to poke around because there's more to understanding statistics than understanding numbers because it's heavily social. So that's one route. And uh, the other route is acting in the world and spending money, not necessarily spending it carelessly. And then when bad things happen, the cost of that money, keep it. Make that matter. Make that worth something. So I could, it's like I, I burn a recipe, I'll eat it. I'll learn. I'll literally eat it and learn from that mistake. I will, I, if it's not completely wrecked, you know, if I did something wrong, I will suffer for it. I don't like wasting food and I will learn so that next time it, it's never going to happen again, probably. And it's the same thing with buying something and getting scammed. And it just goes on like that. Cause that's a life lesson that's going to be valuable to you because the circumstances are going to arise again at some point in the future, whether or not you want it to, and sometimes when you want it to. So for example, you will line yourself up in such a way as to be ripped off if you go and buy a used car. This is a classic example. And you might even know, you might even know that this is a dangerous, if this, this is a, a dangerous situation to be in where money is on the line. If you have learned certain general ideas behind how sales work, you've spent, you've wasted the 10 bucks on some earlier experience, but you took it seriously. You can go in for some multiple thousand dollar thing and understand certain general things and, and save money. So the idea of going to, to university or college or getting an apprenticeship, doing something. The idea is you take money, you burn it. You will be able to make that money back and more because of what you did. Now, there's a beautiful dream that's probably not true because a lot of people, you just, you need to get the university even to get a job in the first place. So it's not like you're really improving your life as such. You're, that's just what you have to do, which sucks and it shouldn't be the case. But just like doing that to get smarter, to to the return on investment makes up for that cost, then losing that 10 bucks, that might save me thousands later because I've got a sharper mind for that kind of that kind of situation. You know, you you buy bread because it's on, on sale, it's already moldy by the time you open it. Learn that lesson. It only costs you a buck or two, whatever. But but that was a a couple of bucks well worth it. It wasn't oh boo-hoo, I got ripped off. It's you know. That's it sucks, but it only cost me two bucks to learn this lesson. And it's better to to pay that couple of bucks on something dumb like that and learn that lesson for the future. It's better to do that than wait and get burnt again and again until you you finally realize because the next thing comes along, it's this other thing is on sale. Oh, I remember that. I remember the moldy bread. Okay, well, what can I do? No. I, I'm going to look at it before I buy it. 
okay, it's good, but I know I, I still, and then you go and freeze it immediately. And you learn to do things like that. And these are, are, these can be learned from past safer experiences rather than being learned from being burnt with that same more expensive thing. You don't have to learn from your previous bread experience. Um, and it doesn't just apply to bread. You can now carry it forward and have it apply to everything, everything. So my, my garden nozzle experience is a $10 learning lesson. I probably should have learned it from other stuff because I'm not young. Probably should know it already. I didn't. I messed up. So it's a, it amounts to, well, now I have to remember what it is to return something on Amazon because that's a skill that I should keep sharp because I'm buying regularly from them. And I should not be afraid to go through the procedure because um, a person can be nervous about that and take too long or not know how to act and get ripped off by more than 10 bucks. That's for sure. Like what if this, what if, what if I brick my phone because I try to flash it? I need to know how to game the system to explain that it doesn't work without explaining that I probably was at fault. Like, you know, you play it like that. And it might be easy for the manufacturer to fix it or whatever the heck for, for it to be refurbed. It's, it's an evil thing to do, but honestly, it's the, it's the correct way to approach this problem because this represents hundreds of dollars. And if I understand the procedure of returning something with my $10 for the life lesson, I can now apply it to hundreds of dollars and save effort, money, whatever, by keeping an important skill sharp. Let me switch to something else, I think. Um, I have notes, but I, I want to talk about... Okay, so I'm part Dutch, and I wasn't raised specifically Dutch. And it's a, it's a, a complicated, challenging topic for me to, to, to talk about that would end up with me pulling, pulling the, but I am X, and it is my life experience that X... And there's, there's a lot of other nuances because I'm, I'm half Dutch and the other half of me is Trinidadian. And I don't have family, like my family's not from Canada. I'm in Canada, by the way. So I've got a lot of interesting nuances of life experience happening there. So you can't hear my Dutch accent, which is good. And I've often wondered if, it's very strange because that's a, that's a social concept. I was born in Canada. I only know this stuff. And so it, it would be normal to think of me having certain characteristics as being being taught to me, right? Or, or rubbing off from family, right? That's okay to think. But the thing is, I wasn't raised Dutch. I wasn't raised with any of that stuff in mind. That was a very aggressive decision that was made. So when I look and see and I learn about, because I'm, I'm looking into the culture and stuff like that, and I'm learning about certain habits, certain cultural things that they have really strongly that I have really strongly. And it makes me wonder if like there's some kind of wacky genetic memory happening. And I know it's, it's dumb and it's science fantasy, but it's, a, it's very, very strange. And so one of the things that, that is really that really bothers me is an unannounced guest 
and you will absolutely piss off somebody who's Dutch if you just show up. Like, if you're standing outside their house, text them. Like, literally be outside their house and text them. Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Do you want to go do something? Can I drop by? And don't go knock on their door. So if in the, in the Netherlands, you, 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 will, you will really bother some, someone if you just go knock on their door. So you detect them outside or whatever the heck, and that gives them the opportunity to say, no, like, no, I'm not available. And they shouldn't need to give an excuse. And a lot of these things are strange for, you know, there are different cultures in different places. Often they're bound to uh, a region, so a province or a state or a country. This happens to be a Dutch thing. It would be really, really strange for people in other cultures. I think it's a Caribbean country somewhere where it's actually rude for you to not invite yourself over for dinner. When they know that there are people around, they automatically start making more for dinner specifically. And I suppose it must be some sort of exciting, polite thing to have someone like just just come and it gives them the opportunity of being a warm welcome host and so i can kind of understand that but the dutch thing no you don't do that you don't do that if if you owe the person money you still don't do that um and this goes with this other thing which is the dutch will carry around planners and pen and paper planners and I suppose a lot of stuff is being moved to phones, but they'll they'll be in a group of friends and they'll be like, hey guys, you want to go out and see a movie next weekend? And they'll all pull out their planners and be like, flip, flip, flip. I can't do this thing. And they'll all be like, I don't know. And they'll they'll have to negotiate then and there when and so the movie night might be pushed off for three weeks because of scheduling conflicts that they'll hammer out right then and there. So if you actually text somebody outside their door, they're still like literally pausing and going and checking their schedule to see like what's been going on, you know, and then they're checking their mood and maybe they got stuff to do and they might say no. Um, they might say no. And it's, it's, it's important for you to make sure that they don't know you're outside their door. It sounds weird. So the, these, these things are in me somewhere so deep that I am deeply annoyed when somebody shows up when somebody just knocks on my door and i'm not expecting it like see my previous conversation last segment about packages i will check to make sure i know exactly what day and i've got like ups will text me and i'll know when something arrives at my door i'll have people knock on the door to let me know i'll peek out every once in a while i'll get the text i'll get an email this kind of stuff so I like knowing when I need to be around the door. I don't want to be surprised by that. And uh, I just, yeah, I thought it was really weird. Um, um, I want to build on my previous, previous stuff. So segment two can be all about self-improvement kind of stuff. So there is a piece of psychology with regards to doing the things that you're too lazy to do. So there's all kinds of times when you you have pr your primary task 
and it's a thing that you want to do, but you get burnt out. That's like the when I talk about studying, right? You start at a hundred percent, but you get tired. You get tired because eventually you're going to pass out because eventually you run out of steam over the course of the day. That's normal. But if you're doing something directed, like studying, you're going to burn out faster. Your studying effectiveness is going to going to decline very quick compared to general wakefulness throughout the day. So you take breaks. Now, when you take breaks, and this kind of thing happens with whatever you happen to be doing, you, you only have so much steam for anything. And that some people, I guess, are the motivated sort that maybe, right, we're not all like that. I'm certainly not all like that. Um, I will have times when I'm highly interested in one thing and I'll forget to eat or this kind of stuff. And uh, night owls have a, a great ability to push themselves to stay up later, which is a really bad thing. And it's probably because they can stay highly interested in something. Now, knowing, seeing that and breaking that might be important for some people to know. But for the people that learn to take breaks, when they, when they start running out of steam, they, they feel it coming. Or maybe it's scheduled. Like writers have this thing where you, well, a bunch of different people have things. There's something called the tomato timer, which is a technique for, for having uh, stages during a, a work period where you actually have like a little timer that rings to remind you to stop on purpose. Uh, I don't quite like that idea, but because that's a tyrannical way to live. But it might be important for some people to begin with that. And then once they learn to feel how their attention is, if they're getting a little tired, learn to take breaks. Um, for writers, there are moments to do that kind of thing that I don't think I've articulated very well before. Um, it's, a, it's a weird topic to, to pursue. But what's interesting is in those breaks, and there ends up being a lot of them, it's not like a snack break and then a lunch break and then a snack break and a dinner break. It's not, it's not like that because these might happen a lot, like a lot, a lot. And they might only be five minutes. Is the other thing you can actually load a second task. So I've talked about if you've got one task, you can switch to a, a slightly related task or maybe a very related task. And your mind gets to be quiet with the, the primary and get and other parts of your attention get woken up for this other one. And they're ever so gently related so that when you are working on this other thing, your brain is kind of relaxing, but it's still kind of partly engaged because of this new thing you're doing. And if it's related a little bit, it will actually feed that primary like the primary part of your mind that is still kind of, it's relaxing from primary task. And so you can actually ping pong between primary task and the quote unquote relaxation isn't doing nothing, is doing another thing. And one of the ways you can leverage this notion is your breaks could consist of you getting, say you're working at a desk, getting out of your chair, and going to make a cup of coffee. Normally people would, that would be their break. That would take five minutes and they drink and they pace around and whatever, 
and they come back and they sit down and they get back to work. But there are opportunities in that that actually don't derail that primary that that primary rest activity. So they, it won't wreck your experience of getting up and making a cup of coffee if when you get up from your desk, you you pull up a plate or or your previous cup or you whatever, like you you just take a moment to tidy slightly and you carry something out into the next room. Right. That that's not you're already going there. It's just occupying your hands. Then when you're going up, you're waiting for the coffee to brew or whatever. Well, you have a moment to wash a dish or two, right? Or wipe a counter or something. You're already there. You already have to wait anyway. And this act is part, ends up being part of the meditative experience of you having taken that five minute break, but you end up accomplishing stuff. And when you come back down to your primary task after taking that quote unquote rest, it was technically a productive rest. So even getting into that, that primary task again, returning to your study, for example, uh, you have, you enter into it knowing that you have, that your break wasn't a waste because that's maybe some of the guilt that some people have. That's why they push and like they'll study for a huge block of time, like straight and they won't rest. I'm, I'm just going to read through this entire, whatever the heck. And and they'll feel bad about taking breaks because because it, it's a waste. Because I mean, technically speaking, it is a waste. It's just it wouldn't have mattered if you didn't take the break. You would have been useless at studying sooner. It's more optimal for you to take the breaks and come back fairly refreshed than just burn out trying to stick to a task. And what's interesting is if you take your break, you're productive, kinda. You do something else, kinda. You come back to it. You don't feel so guilty about having taken the break because you come back to a desk that's slightly cleaner. All you have now is that cup of coffee and everything else has been cleared because you you took a moment. And it's uh it's a one of the tricks if you're moving houses and you you don't get like professionals to come in and pack for you, which is actually a thing you can do. I I don't like the idea of a bunch of other people going through my stuff and packing because I just nah. like I it's it's part of the experience for me to handle all my stuff and know what's mine, this kind of stuff and organize it in this kind. Of so I don't like the idea myself, but you can hire people that'll pack for you. But if you're like me and you don't do that, you end up with like a bunch of boxes and you're kind of living out of a couple of essential boxes and maybe you're unpacking as you go, kind of, and it might take you forever to actually unpack. So you'll get like, a, you'll have boxes in your hallways and stuff like that, that you just haven't gotten around to because it's got stuff that's, it's a bunch of books that you've already read. So you haven't gotten around to unpacking them and putting on your library shelves, right? Or it's the shelves that haven't actually been put up haven't been built yet so so a lot of stuff is kind of like waiting for you to care because maybe you needed to get back to work right away and you didn't have the time to like do something non-essential like build a shelf reasons reasons right and these this five minute idea and the idea applies to moving as well when you're unpacking or you're packing even whenever you're migrating from one room to the next doesn't matter what the reason is. Never have your hands empty. So you're going to go and use the bathroom. 
and you pick something up from room A and you walk and you just drop it off in room B so that the stuff ends up being deposited near the place that it belongs. It would be it would be great if you put it away exactly where it belongs. Like so it's not enough for you to pick up a box of kitchen stuff, quote unquote, and bring it into your kitchen and just drop it off on the counter. That's a good start. And maybe that's all a person can do. It would be better to do that and then unpack it. Right? That that would be perfect. But you do a little bit. Maybe Maybe trip one in the kitchen, you you just drop it off, go use the bathroom. Maybe you come back, you you open it, and maybe you take out one thing. And now you have an open handy box right in the room that it belongs in. And every time you're in there, you're, you're waiting for your bacon to fry before you flip it over. And in that time, you're not standing there. You're unpacking a thing. You're putting a thing away. You're... And so there are these moments when, like, there's a trick to being fairly productive in that you can constantly be doing these activities. And they're in moments where a lot of other people would zone out. And and that can be very important for having a refreshed mind, right? You take your breaks and you take your breaks seriously and you're essentially meditating. But the problem is for a lot of people, that's basically sleepwalking. They're, They're doing nothing. And they're doing nothing, and the nothing is all that ever gets done. And you might have a primary task that gets that's kind of around, kind of gets done. And uh, it might be valuable for for this idea, so that uh, returning to any task, or if you get nothing of your main task done uh, during the day, like it's you're just burnt out, not in the mood. At least you did a lot of these other little things, and. They really, really add up. So for example, I need to go out at like four in the morning and do gardening. And if I did a little bit every day, it and it might take a week, it might take two, it might take until the fall, but little by little, it you know the thing where people will say, Well, if you if you only started and you only did a little bit every day, imagine how many hours worth of practice you'd have in. You'd already know how to play the piano, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's kind of true. It's never that easy, but it's kind of true. And it's, uh, if you, if you move and you have your hands full, every time you change rooms sooner or later, you will be well unpacked without having to make that your primary task without having to distract from your primary, like maybe you're working from home and the only place that's clean is this cone radiating out from your webcam, right? So you're in office meetings and stuff like that, and you don't have, you're not wearing pants, right? You might be living like that if you just moved to a new apartment, something like this, and the rest of your house could stay a wreck for a long time. But if you do this migration pantsful thing, that will not last for very long. It's surprising how uh, easy it is to do that because it's not like it's hard for any any particular instance of you carrying things. Whereas if you force yourself to make an afternoon of it, that might be oppressive. That might be very challenging. Um, okay, so on to, on to something else. 
Um, I'm almost at the point when I when I want to talk about an administrivia for podcast. Um, hmm. Why do I have a note saying I should talk about BitTorrent? I'm not sure there is anything to talk about really. Um, well, uh, 10 minutes, 10 minutes on BitTorrent. Okay, so BitTorrent is going to get a lot of people in trouble if you're downloading illegal things. Duh. Uh, and part, part of that is because there are, there are third-party services that are hired by, let's, let's say you're pirating a movie. Um, there are third-party services that specifically participate in the swarm of a torrent. And so one of the people that you're getting files from or that you're reporting to and requesting files from is a bad guy that's telling on you. So you got tattles, tattletales in there. You have, um, and that gets, you get logged as participating in that. And then because you get logged, the, the route by which you connect to all those other people is, can be traced. And it can be traced back to you. And then it can be traced back to you in that it can be traced back to your house, your your internet connection. And your internet provider can actually be contacted by this, this third-party company. And the movie company empowers this, this service to, to compel your internet provider and they, the, your internet provider will email you usually, maybe call you, and will tell you that this is the case. They can be wrong, which is one of the biggest problems. But you start getting a, a reputation with that internet provider. And uh, it's, it's one of the people will say it, will see, well, it's a, it's a risk. You've got, you know, it's there and you can do it so often and your ISP will be forgiving and this kind of stuff. You just like, be quiet for a little while and then you just you try another one <laughs> and most of the time it won't matter like don't go and download uh, cams which is somebody using a phone or something a recording from a theater and uh and they'll say oh don't bother with that right away and wait until it comes out from dvd or whatever the heck and fine it's all all valid points but um but you could use something like a VPN. I mean, I'm not suggesting people would use a VPN for anything other than protecting their... This is exactly what a VPN is for, really. I think it's the primary tool that why this technology was created in the first place. It's for literally pirating things illegally with torrents. Um, so so um, the other problem is is bandwidth and BitTorrent. It's, it's less true now because a lot of people are streaming stuff, especially if you have streaming services. Um, but it used to be the case that BitTorrent was the tool by which people ended up reaching a, a cap on how much bandwidth they could use. So bandwidth costs money. It costs money because it requires electricity. And it require and there's a limited amount of space um, where a whole lot of different customers can use a, a a set of wiring 
in parallel, all simultaneously from whatever uses they all individually have. So there are some physical limitations that end up being imposed and present themselves as bandwidth. And if all users of an internet provider's service have a bandwidth cap, in general, things tend to kind of balance out. That's kind of the reasoning. And it's kind of wrong. And it's kind of them ripping people off and all this kind of stuff. And it used to be a problem because of BitTorrent specifically, because people could just download a whole lot of stuff and they would just download a whole lot of stuff. And it'd be annoying and stressful for the internet provider because they couldn't, like, they would have to install more hardware to get new customers because of that kind of thing. So they started looking at, at the traffic and, and metering things and stopping people and billing people and having these scams that go on, stuff like that. Canada, um, I don't know that there are very many places for this. And I'm actually, because I understand a little bit more of the political side of stuff, it's actually a little bit of a, of a foreshadowing of what's going to be happening in Canada politically. Um, and it turns out to be really important in today's times that Canada, so we have what are called essential services, which is a Canadian, well, I could say a Canadian citizen, a Canadian citizen that, that lives somewhere. And I don't know what it means to say reasonable because Canada has a lot of really strange places that you can live that are away from civilization. Basically anywhere north of, you know, we've got like this strip of, <laughs> I can't say habitable, but there are people that live outside of the more populated zones. But we have, for example, telephones that are considered an essential service. They must be provided by any means reasonable. And sure, there are going to be places that are just ludicrous. But if it's like, if there is a town somewhere, it is getting phone connections, physical wiring, because when these laws were passed, that's how things happened. We didn't really have the concept of satellites at all for this kind of thing. And so it's been a basic service for a long time in that it must be guaranteed and there is a guaranteed quality, etc. And phones are pretty simple to have like a guaranteed quality. Because it's a pretty, I mean, these days it's kind of a meaningless technology because it's it's pretty easy to make it high quality. And now we can be wireless, so it's you just have towers up and stuff like that. And right, it's easy, it's easy. And there's also certain cost guarantees that the government imposes. So we don't like. I know that there's going to be Americans that are listening primarily, right? Um, Canada is very. I can't quite say socialist because that means something else, but we, we have government control over certain aspects of certain things. And there used to be quite a totalitarian control of, it, it was an unfree market for telephones specifically during the, the expansion of the telephone service in Canada. It was controlled by Bell and that got broken up and it, that company got shattered and it really, really mattered. It changed prices and it, it really helped. It really helped. And that is a fine example of why you should break monopolies. Um, and th I think that's a government's, one of the a government's major roles 
is to be an authoritarian dictator that breaks monopolies because i think humans will naturally collude and will form gangs and we, we need to be able to break them up otherwise they'll make their form they'll form their own kingdoms and they will oppress in this case their customers because that's what they were doing because they had no competition they would just have their prices at whatever and would lie and would do it would balance it just enough to rip people off at some optimal rate and so they were broken there was competition all the competition means the prices drop etc so phones are an essential service but canada as of a it, it's been a little while now i think it's been two years uh canada maybe a year canada declared internet access as a general concept to be an essential service meaning internet access must be available everywhere at and it has a basic quality level it's a speed level and the speed level i'm sure there are numbers that are going to be attached to it but and i could probably calculate them out if i went and looked at the the, the wording, the legalese. Um, and it is a requirement for streaming video. And that says a lot about how the government assumes it's going to be used. And that means that it will be everywhere and it will be of a certain quality. Now, maybe it's 480p, but I've lived it in 480p, right? And it's fine. It's fine for all kinds of stuff. Because you don't need the nuance of detail uh, for a lot of stuff, unless you start viewing schematics and stuff like that. But you're not going to do that in video. You're going to get pictures of that. You know, you're going to get high quality stuff. But for, for video, great. That'll handle all kinds of stuff. You could even sit there and do streaming to do live streaming or podcasting or even video casting and stuff like that. Even though it's going to be kind of terrible, all doable and um the government has demanded that all the internet providers have both a price there's a price cap so government is requiring that this be low cost and the government is requiring it not be metered at all which means unlimited bandwidth even though it's fairly low speed but always on so we've got always on streaming internet that's coming and your internet provider is almost certainly not going to make it a selling point. They're not going to talk about that package. But sooner or later, I'm going to be able to contact any ISP and say, I want this plan. Even if they are not talking about it, they're required to provide that to me. And they're required with specific price points. And it's required to be unlimited. So that's going to be an exciting, interesting place to be. And what do you think is going to happen if the government now knows that? internet is going to be like that for all citizens now the government can know that people can communicate with one another or with them with that kind of internet connection with those kinds of speeds so i think this is going to say a lot about how we're going to work socially and politically in the future so we're up on a break and i'm going to be back in another 10 minutes i'll see you then i remember i had talked about black electronics being a bother to me and uh, I think I talked about it a little bit and talked about it being because I shed, I got ashy skin. Did I talk about that already? I think so. I think I did. So I got dust all over everything everywhere. And I think, uh, I think maybe I kind of want to 
kind of experiment with color in my life. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I dated a girl who's like, <laughs> is everything you own like grayscale and beige and black and stuff like that? It's like, yeah, apparently that's just, that's how I, I don't like the idea of flashy stuff. I was bold and bought plaid. Um, so I've got a plaid jacket. You'll see that in a whole lot of my early um, YouTube videos. I still got it around. I tore a sleeve because I'm bigger than everything I put on. So I tore it a little bit, but I, I decided to stitch it up and I'll keep wearing it. I need to get one of those like 1930s elbow patches or something like that. I knew a girl in high school who had that on a couple of her, uh, of her clothes. It was really, really nicely done. It made me think that it was done on purpose, but I wonder if it's just like, because it was it was in jeans and stuff like that. So it's like, that is the correct way of getting be better use out of out of clothes. This is before we had acid washed jeans, or maybe when it was new. And so jeans actually wore for a lot longer. Um, I'm actually wearing a pair of jeans that's starting to wear out. It'll, it'll be my first pair of jeans that's worn out in a long time. At any rate, I'm eating a cherry, and my neighbor gave me some cherries, which is very nice. And um, I actually have on my wish list getting a cherry pitter because I was looking at, um, I have a dehydrator, and I've dehydrated all kinds of stuff. And uh, I was looking at maybe dehydrating fruit. And so you can get cherry pitters. They're hand ones, and there's little machines and stuff. And people are saying, well, the little like devices that you can use, um, you can get one from Starfrit, for example, that maybe it doesn't always find the pit. And if you got the wrong size uh, cherry, then it won't quite find the middle. And I'll, and there's a hand version, and it's supposed to be better. I'm chewing on this, and I'm re realizing there's no way that I would dry this. <laughs> I'd just eat it like this. Like, would, Could I possibly have so many cherries that any would go bad? I don't think so. I think I'd just eat them fresh. Um, so not really sure what I was thinking with that. I once bought, um, canned peaches cause I love peaches and I, I would, I rinsed them off and I dehydrated them and they were just awful cause they, they turned into like jelly. Um, they wouldn't dry completely out cause they were just soaked in sugar. And then I read the can. I got around to reading the can. It was, it's a can of peaches made in China. Like, no, I'm never ordering one of those again. Why would I have food from China? I've seen just some of the stats and I've seen videos and stuff like that of, of the rampant pollution that exists there. And I'm, I don't want to just know. It's starting to rain on the West Coast. Like their pollution is starting to rain on the West Coast of North America. It's, it's bad, bad. Um, and all right, now I now I need to finish off this chair. I was interested in de dehydration. It was kind of a good thing because a lot of people have food security issues because of supply line problems. Because a lot of countries bottled up because of um, NCOV two or whatever the technical name is. It's like SARS NCOV two, and. Uh, so a lot of countries kind of stopped a bunch of stuff or started being extra selfish or whatever the heck. So a lot, of, a lot of grocery stores had some problems and they had 
lot of runs. And because we're in Canada, so a lot of stuff kind of spills over from the United States up here. But we didn't have any of the, the rush for supplies. A lot of Americans live, well, paycheck to paycheck is very common in a lot of places. And it's, it's one of the largest tragedies in the world. That's the problem that has to be solved. And a lot of people are talking about instituting massive political changes. Like, no, like your, your bits of politics should be small changes because you don't know what you're doing with big changes. Nobody ever does. That's never worked out ever. Um, you want little changes that will, as your goal, um, because it's actually a tangible goal, uh, politics should push to have all citizens having a few months of savings. Because when you have people with savings, you'll have less stressed people, which is, which is what you like. That's, that's a measurable way for happiness. Like, I don't have to guess at how happy you are. I can look at your savings and I know that that's one stress that's been removed. I, I can't judge the rest of your life unless I sit down individually with you. And I certainly can't do that across an entire nation. It's just not a thing. It's not a thing. And I could ask people, but it's still not something I can trust. But I, I could look at the numbers in terms of, of savings a number of citizens and understand these things. And I can know these things as a government, the government can know these things because the government knows things like income tax. And so it can judge things. And based on certain balances, one of the government goals could be improving those numbers and knowing that those numbers remove a stress. And uh, it's a great sign that at least a lot of people are less unhappy than they are now. So that's actually achievable. It's always annoyed me that governments will, they'll have all kinds of talk, and they'll, but they'll never have an actual plan when the actual plan leads to happiness. There's no concept of that. So anyway, removing uh, food insecurity is, I think, really important for happiness for people. And so it's, it's a real sign of what things are like in the United States, when I've seen videos of bare shells and stuff like that. This is ignoring the peaceful protests that uh, burned down shopping centers and stuff like that, that just wrecked them. Um, where I've seen people just be like, there's food on the ground now. <laughs> yeah, quote unquote, free food that's on the ground. Well, it's still theft and you're taking stuff from the ground. And so there's there's still some what would the right term be some sense of humanity left in somebody that doesn't want to pick food off the ground, which sounds like such a first world problem at any rate, at any rate. Um, why was I bringing up all of that? Um, so there's the food insecurity thing, which made me think about dehydration because I just got a dehydrator. And uh, so maybe, maybe I should be, taking the bounties of like summer fall and canning stuff and pretending like I'm old timey and I'm packing stuff for the winter. And that might be just a, a nice thing to do. And I know a guy, I think I mentioned him before who's farming in in like Northeastern Ontario and he's just full on totally food insecure. Cause he, he knows food production 
he knows the supplier stuff from his side of stuff from his clique his industry and he's just like nope i'm growing my own now <laughs> i'm just hoping i have enough to live through winter it's like wow cuz uh our our largest city is toronto it's uh, it's in ontario it's this um combination of a whole of of our largest oldest city plus the it swallowed the suburbs around it a long time ago and uh more recently like 25 someone 30 years ago something like that it swallowed up the other cities that were nearby to call itself the greater toronto area um it was just a shtick to uh concentrate politics and make it a what a world-class city kind of but it's its true heart is 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 it's like a sprawling set of cities that are now connected together and so it um he being near toronto and toronto being so populated uh populated places like that would become ruined nightmares if there were food supply issues so the fact that he's kind of paranoid kind of rubs off on me uh, anyhow that's that's from the cherry that i have in my hand um running down on the same line of things if if you're somebody who is working with somebody who's vulnerable there are already videos out there of how you decontaminate yourself like you go to your garage and you strip literally and you you wash maybe a little bit in the garage you're careful about the handles you touch your doorknobs and stuff like that you go and you have a shower immediately you quarantine the items you bring in your jacket and stuff like that in a different space and you understand that clothing you know several hours let's say half a day is it'll be okay and if it's cardboard it's this and if it's plastic it's this and metal it's this right so a few a few days is good and that all that exists so if you're already in that headspace because you have a, a legitimate reason so you've got somebody who's immunocompromised who's elderly who has multiple comorbidities because that's that is the combination of stuff that this is those are the people that are actually vulnerable to this um and you're already thinking like that well there's a, a product it's i had already done the subscribe and save on amazon and so it was annoying that i could only buy one can before the rush came and emptied out the shelves but lysol although i can't get their disinfecting spray they actually have a laundry additive and it works you can add it into so if you've got a washing machine that has the like a separate little dish for um, fabric softener you, you pour it in there and so it adds it like at the final rinse ish space and it it's a disinfectant and it does actually list coronavirus on the list of stuff that now its efficacy i don't know but it makes the claim and there are specific legal attachments to making a claim like that and it's not it, it so if, if you're in that category of person that might be a good idea to pursue that it is meant for situations where the clothing well the anything that you're washing can't be washed in hot water which is normally what you do and you can't hot water wash all clothes um so if it's delicates or something like that and you need to need to keep them clean hot water would 
be the disinfectant, it would be good enough. But uh, if it's cold water washed, then this stuff would be what you would need. It would be definitely what you would need. However, the best disinfectant is still time. Uh, coronavirus can't replicate anywhere, even in a nice, warm, wet condition somewhere. It can only duplicate in the in one particular kind of lung tissue at the bottom, primarily at the bottom of your lungs, the, 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 the lower end of your arms, so closer to your feet. And um, so if it's just sitting somewhere, it's just going to die. And it might take a few days, but it's going to die. And the only way it's going to not die is if you freeze it, in which case, I mean, I heard one person say 10 years is what it'll last. Um, we don't know, of course, because it hasn't been 10 years. It's been one, maybe. Um, actually, yeah, about about one as of now, depending on who, depending on who you know. Um, otherwise, it'll be one year as of November. Anyway, so that's that's Lysol. You can check that out. Um, I did want to pick up a bunch of stuff and start making jam and stuff like that, but things got a little weird and expensive. Um, and before I forget, so the doing things, um, keeping your hands full, moving between rooms and stuff like that, um, taking your breaks and making them functional for something secondary. Um, there's there's this idea in there. It's like sometimes when you're near something, there's this reminder that pops into your head. And it's a really fragile thought. It's kind of like waking up and trying to remember a dream. And it's the kind of fragile thought where if you just turn to do something else, you you will forget it. You will forget that other thing that was in your head. Some people are better than others at keeping that thing in their head. Some people can are so good as to keep it until they get to their notes and they can write it down. They can schedule it or something. But if you're already the sort that has a lot of mess, you're the type that would forget it before you get to somewhere to write it down. So that's a reason to carry a notebook with you. Um, maybe if you're real fast with a phone, maybe, but I wouldn't advocate using a phone for taking notes. See my previous rant on like replacing the keyboard functionality because it sucks because you can't cursor up and down, for example. Like how dumb is it that you can't, <laughs> you can't cursor? Wow. Left and right is a bonus feature, depending on your keyboard. At any rate, um, there are those moments. You have to know to recognize those moments. It's pretty easy when they happen, even though you forget the content of that. You might go through your day and go, well, I had a, you have a little flag in your head that said I had something else to do. I, I don't know. Well, it sucks living life like that. But there's this idea where you can, you can sneak up and you can pounce on those opportunities, kind of like surprising that thing. Like an idea pops into your head, like you're brushing your teeth and you're like, my mirror has some spots in it. And you don't even, don't even bother waiting. If you're the type, if you learn that you're like that, don't even finish brushing your teeth. Just go and wipe the mirror down right away. You're not going to forget about washing your, about brushing your teeth. You can, you can continue that. Um, maybe you have to start over or whatever. But if you go and you like, you you wash the mirror. Otherwise, it might fall into your head, 
you, you'd go on the rest of your day and then you'd be reminded maybe the next time you brush your teeth, the next time you're going to have a shower, but the next time might be the morning before work. And you might be in there and you're too rushed to deal with this mirror thing right now. So you're like, put it off, but you had an opportunity. It's similar to that five minute break of studying. It's similar to that going and picking stuff and cleaning stuff as you're migrating. As you're staying busy in the times without trying very hard, in the times between activities, um, and, and surprising yourself and doing these little things does does build up quite quite quickly, surprisingly quickly. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is a long time ago, several shows ago now, I talked about uh, how hot showers are an incredibly bad idea. It might be good for meditating, but you're burning your skin. So maybe it'll be okay, but it absolutely must not touch your face. It must not touch your head at all. Um, and it, it it absolutely cannot even briefly touch your forehead. That's the most uh, sensitive stuff, at least on my face. And I'm going to try to go through the logic. I've thought about it before, but I'm not really sure how to articulate it. So it goes like, like so. For you to understand how to take care of your skin, you need to know how, how paper can be damaged. Think of all the different ways you could damage paper. Well, you can throw it in a fireplace. Okay, well, what's the equivalent for your skin? Well, literally setting fire to your face. Okay, well, yeah, don't do that. Something a little tamer. Um, don't stay out in the sun. Something's happening there. Don't, right? Hot shower. That'll do it. You'll notice some people will go like beet red if they're here. You're boiling yourself like a lobster. Okay, well, what else can you do to paper? Well, you can tear it. Well, what's that for skin? Cutting? Now, obviously, you don't want to cut yourself. And if you do, it's going to happen in your life. You, you need to take it seriously. You need to take it very seriously. Sometimes it's more than a Band-Aid. And so for men, you might cut yourself shaving if you've got, if you use one of the three bladed ways of cutting yourself, which is a straight razor, which is, which is usually it's a folding knife, but it's a, it's a, it's a knife. It's an actual knife or a traditional safety razor, which is with the two headed, um, replaceable blades. And then there's disposable razor blades, which are the like. 6,000 different blades in the little plastic thing with the little plastic handle. Don't use those. Those are garbage. Use a traditional safety razor. Um, those are ways to cut yourself. The really easy ways to cut yourself. Electric razors, half of the selling point is that you're probably never going to cut yourself. And you have to try hard. Um, and so if you cut your face, so for men, you can use something called a styptic pen. And a styptic pen is that there's a material that's in there. And it's an actual, it's like a mineral or something that's mined. It's, it's like, it's an all natural thing. It's not a man-made thing where it will react to your blood and it will actually almost cauterize a wound. And What's interesting about 
this stuff is it's been used for a very long time to stop bleeding from men cutting themselves shaving. And just like just like using a traditional safety razor, there are reasons that this stuff has been in use. And although it is old timey, there is value in going back and considering the way things were and why the way things were the way they were. Sometimes it's because they didn't know any better, right? And there's a lot of what, what we would consider these days to be mistakes that civilization made. Um, there's also technological limitations, but there's also, what would you say? You'd say like resource limitations. So these days we live such a bountiful life that we have a lot of products that are disposable that would not be back in old times. So they'd use straight straight razors because the of a technological limitation. And so, but double safety razors came out, but that's a little bit wasteful. So some people would still use a straight razor because a good straight razor will last you until it became an heirloom for your children. It'll last for decades. Whereas a safety razor, you'd have to replace the blade, the blade after X number of shaves. And even back then, because the materials were different, you'd end up sharpening that blade to get as much use out of it as possible. These days, you wouldn't. It would be like uh, steel, stainless steel coated with platinum or something like that. And uh, you might get three good shaves out of it if you're lucky. Depends on your skill and your hair. And you just throw it away. But back then, you would do everything you can to make it last for forever because stuff cost money. These days, you're, so, you're a lot richer than you think you are, and you need to go and learn from old-timey stuff. And one of the old-timey ways of, of dealing with a cut is with a styptic pen. Or sometimes, sometimes they come in bar form. Sometimes they're powders. There's like super advanced versions of this. But you can make do if you just occasionally neck yourself, and you need to to make it stop right away because you're on your way to work or whatever. This stuff works magic with the one caveat that you can scar yourself with this stuff because you can actually take a good gash, like an actual long gash because you did something dumb. Um, and because you, you maybe you turn, you turn the handle weird and you kind of whacked yourself and you end up like with a long gash. Uh, there's a life lesson. And if you take this styptic pen and you run, you like open the wound and you run it in and you hold it in, you're going to have this rut that gets formed where it's, it's essentially cauterized. It's the equivalent of being cauterized. And that, that can give you a line that scars right there. So you got to know what you're doing with this stuff. Like a lot of old timey stuff, you, you have to know. But so that's another way of, of understanding your skin. Well, what else is there? There's crumpling. You can crumple paper to wreck it. And what's the equivalent with skin? Well, if you sleep on your skin wrong, if if you wear tight clothing, if like because you can wreck, say, your ankles and your your shins and stuff like that with tight socks, and you take your tight socks off and you've got varicose veins, and so it's a little spidery veins all through there, and you've got ruts all down your legs and it just looks horrible i know women oh man i could rant about this but a lot of women don't have a bra that fits 
And one of the ways you can tell, because you could, you could ask, okay, you could ask your woman this, like you can ask your sister, uh, probably shouldn't ask your mom, but you know, you ask your wife, girlfriend, somebody you're, you're good friends with, you can ask this, like, do you, do you have the marks in your shoulders from, from wearing a bra? It's not a terrible, terrible thing to talk about. So a lot of women will say, well, yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's really annoying. So I don't, and they might open up and say something like, that's why I take my bra off when I get home, stuff like that. That's a little personal. Um, and the reason that happens is because their bra doesn't fit. If you, if you got a girlfriend and, and you're on good terms like that, so it's, you've been going steady for a while, um, and you find out, see, like, you probably won't be able to do it by eye. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe if you know what you're doing, but you probably don't. But take her to get a bra fitting. It'll change her life. It'll really, really change her life. And then spend a, spend a, a metric ton of money and get her some good stuff. And if it's your girlfriend, like technically you get rewarded because you get a girl in really nice lingerie as a start, but you also get a happy girl in really well-fitted stuff. But one of the ways it's discomforting and it's, it's just ruinous is the kind of pressure that a bra strap that's ill-fit will cause. Um, so that's another thing. What are the other ways? I mean, you could... You could wreck paper with like a grease pencil or a pen or something like this. And certainly that would be a problem. So what's the equivalent for your skin? Well, you could argue wearing makeup. You know, you get zits if you got sweaty skin, you put makeup over it. And women end up going into this loop of they have to have a skincare routine to deal with the fact that they're putting on makeup, which the makeup is essentially damaging the environment of their skin coating their skin so their skin gets kind of wrecked and so they they wake up with skin that's had the evening to kind of heal put makeup on gets wrecked over the day <laughs> and so they end up having to have like an extra product just to take care of their skin and an extra product to prepare their skin just to have the layers on top and so that's another terrible thing to do these days guys don't generally have that problem i know guys who have um and so it's not like it's the 1800s france or something like that um but uh understanding so if you're because let's face it, it tends to be women who are particularly concerned about how they appear uh, makeup is a thing with women for a reason like it's a free market and women say women demand it. Um, and men tend to not care. Skincare routines are important for a man too, but uh, not, not, not enough girlfriends apply enough pressure, let's say. Um, it would be handy to know this stuff for high school, for, for awkward teenage boys, stuff like that. At any rate. So currently... A lot of women are into that. So a lot of women would need to understand hot showers. You don't need to have the willpower to have cold showers. Just have cooler showers. They're really nice. Um, learn in the summertime, right? While you have a chance right now, and just get used to it and maintain it over the, even in wintertime, 
even when you think you are cold, having a cool shower is still nice. It's, you'll, you'll still like it. Unless you have one of those basement bathrooms that's hell, like where it's painful for you to take your socks off. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of understand it. And I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're still going to have to have slightly cooler showers because foreheads and then uh, skin, wear a hat. I, it's not like I, I don't want to see women going around with giant hats. <laughs> like, but that has been a trend for a reason that that wasn't just a thing because it was, you know, dainty women who were like trying to show off like peacocks out back in the day with all their lace and stuff. There was a reason why certain attire was like that. And the big hats will keep sun off your face from all angles and glare out of your eyes because it didn't, they didn't have sunglasses or anything. And so it's a good idea for women these days. Just wear, wear a hat. It really matters. And the makeup thing, I uh, technology has improved a lot. So, but I mean, man, if you can look good without makeup, please, please give it a shot. Um, there's not very many women that can properly do, even there's a nude makeup effect, which is, which is also very good. Like that's something to pursue as a good step. Do it. And don't wear makeup when you're not going out. Just if you're lounging around the house, just don't. Um, and don't shave your legs. Um, but I do want to talk about the sun thing while it's on my mind. Umbrellas were originally for keeping the sun off, not for rain. They were no good for rain. Um, and probably no good in the wind either. And I don't... I want to see that make a comeback. And I, I think women are the ones that can do that, that can make that be a thing again. Uh, it's kind of a thing in some places. I think notably China still has that around. Um, and that is the perfect way of keeping the sun, the sun off. But it's not something that I would do because I'm embarrassed to carry an umbrella around, even though I know what it's for. Um, but if it, if it became a fashion, we need a couple like superstars to, to start doing this. It's just like the, um, it's like the, the superhero, the actors that play superheroes, uh, getting that scruffy beard look that, that just kind of cut on, uh, caught on. And, uh, I approve of that because it means I don't necessarily have to shave every day. So I can. I can look at being a little scruffy and that's the popular thing to do. So that works out for me. We need some equivalent where somebody makes it fashionable for women to pick it up and that would make it fashionable for everybody to have. Hopefully, I don't want to be one of those, oh, that's a girl thing. Men can't do that. Um, yeah, I don't want to see that happen to the world. That would suck. But umbrellas, man, I would love to see umbrellas. Uh, I do not like standing... I don't like hiding behind telephone poles to get some shade. You know, if I'm waiting for a bus, for example, I I've always hated that. Um, so let's uh, switch in our last uh, 15, 20 minutes and talk about the show and talk about some of the nuances that are going on, some of the ways we can improve. Um, 
I'm going to start by talking about uh, it's a, it's a discovery slash I always kind of knew it was around, but I did go looking for it. So a couple shows ago, um, several shows ago now, Minion started taking notes with timestamps, and the notion was that this would help skip to those time timestamps in order to cut up a show for smaller pieces that would be good previews or be good clips for YouTube. That's not something we've been doing yet. The little clips are something that I've been doing. And the larger clips, like imagine that we might have a, a 30 minute or a 40 minute segment pulled out, maybe cleaned up, clipped or whatever. That's that's a future possibility. But for now, it's little stuff. But he's been taking notes anyway. And I learned that I could go in and we're using Audacity. And Audacity it has a feature to, to make another track. And it's called a label track. And you can insert labels. And the functionality is a little awkward. Um, I'd rather have it be more blunt than the way it's set up right now. In terms of, I can pull up a list. That's kind of like a spreadsheet with cells of the, the begin and end times and the notes and this kind of stuff. And it's it's easy enough to use, so I'm using it. And what's interesting is th that lets me pretty easily move labels around. And it's useful because I can open up a, an Audacity project and I can have these labels. I tab between them and stuff. Um, but there's also the functionality to export that as uh, specifically an SRT file, which is a, one of the subtitle formats. And YouTube will let you upload that format and it'll provide that for the video. Now, I've talked about that before. And this is something that I've been doing behind the scenes, just adding this stuff in. And as I listen to it, and I don't right now listen to everything from one end to the other, but I do listen to a fair amount because I, I like what I have to say. I like me. And so I will add notes, I'll add additional notes. Nothing that's really important for subtitling right now, but the functionality is there, it, it's starting. And one day, if it becomes important, it's not hard to transition to, to do that. So this is part of the 20% time, it's kind of unnecessary for what we're doing, because I used to just do track splitting as a way of kind of noting an interesting part. But now this thing could become sub subtitles really easily. So I've been doing that. So um, Minion, you did you make an iTunes account? Dare I ask? Yeah, I did. You did? Okay. Did you look into that second, that podcast restreaming thing, whatever that is? I have not. Okay. So do that and for next week, I guess. And because that also, that is a service that will leverage many other services. So that's going to give you a hint as to what other things we should sign up to. So probably every single thing that it has functionality for, make an account for it. That's probably something that you could do. Um, and at some point we need to look into actually like using it and using um, the, the iTunes podcasting thing and maybe, and whatever else. And leveraging the power of all those accounts plus this one tool might make it really easy to, to, to just broadcast broadly because we do need to migrate from doing this live on Twitch. We're probably in the wrong category 
if there's a podcasting category, we should probably go in there first. Um, so migrate to that. And YouTube, and those are not quite the appropriate arenas. It would be useful for us to migrate from that into actually actual podcasting ter uh, territory. Because um, I've had other people that I know, they're, they're interested in stuff, in stuff like this. Um, but because we're not on a platform that they use, that they have on their phone easily, they're just like, it's inconvenient. And it would be important to make this as convenient as possible. Um, oh, I totally forgot to talk about granola bars. Those granola bars I was talking about earlier, they're, they're, I don't, I'm not going to order them again. They're inexpensive and they're inexpensive because they are 37 grams. I don't know what that is in freedom units, but it's really nothing. It's, it's light. And if I look at the ingredients, the ingredients are absolute trash. I mean, okay, yeah, it's got peanuts and it's got almonds. But the thing is, it's dark chocolate flavor. <laughs> I'm looking at the ingredients like chocolate flavored coating, sugar, palm oil, and palm kernel and palm oils, whey protein concentrate, which is like leftovers from, from, from wheat, yeah. Coca, so that's the cocoa, so that's the that's the chocolate. Soy lecithin, natural flavor, whatever that is. So it's the palm stuff is an absolute red flag. Avoid at all costs. Palm oil is dangerous. And I'm looking at this, and the fats aren't bad. So no trans fats. Hopefully that's going to be illegal in Canada soon. That's going to change the world. Like to have a country actually care. Um, the sat so the way fats work because I mentioned that I talked to a nu uh, nutritionist and she helped me understand fats specifically. Saturated fats are bad, but it's also the ratio of fats to saturated fats because the the if you have a and more than fifty percent of your fat content it is is in non saturated fats because there's no separate line for that. So mine is fat eleven grams. How many? This is 27, 37 grams, and 11 grams are fat. And saturated fat is 2.5 of that 11. That means that the uh, 11, 10, 9, 8.5 grams of fat is the non saturated fat. And that, that balances out the 2.5 a lot, enough that this is not bad. I mean, 2.5 grams of fat might itself be bad. Um, cause you might have a specific number of grams of fat per day. I would break that down into number of grams of fat per meal, because I think that's very important as well. Um, see previous conversation regarding, um, ketogenesis and carbohydrate exposure. If you get it all in one whack, that's enough to take you out of ketosis. But if you spread it out with a certain limit in mind, but if you spread it out over your meals, that that is a lot safer same idea with this fat i suspect is i would not think of it in terms of like that um but who knows i could could be wrong this is something i keep in mind not that i have fat restrictions um so so we've had an okay time of our checklist of kind of improving our workflow so that 
we have individual responsibilities, individual specialties. I've been doing more of the, obviously I'm speaking, and so I have to think about ideas and topics and, and know how to talk and all this other nonsense nuances. And I've been doing the audio editing and I'd have to learn more about the audio cleanup and maintaining like the audio hardware and environment and stuff like that. It's, it's my side of stuff. Whereas your side of stuff is more to do with dealing with the accounts and the, the nature of the, the technology that we're using behind the streams. Uh, so understanding um, the, the necessary settings for streaming for the different qualities for different services to of finding some balance that will get the good audio quality of doing the actual recording to disc. You're also providing hardware for doing the backups and stuff like that. So we've, we've managed to have a decent kind of separation of responsibilities. And I think that's worked out quite well. Um, and we talked about the iTunes and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, so for you've had bad days, like you've talked about needing to crash right after the show, probably, and it's happened before. And hopefully I can get the, the, our portable hard drive off of you before you crash. I hope so. And it, and the problem is in the past, um, we have not been able to put out one of the clips fast enough they need to be scheduled they, and it's so important that these be scheduled for a very specific time that um i would argue we could delay by a week or something like that some way of making sure that it's possible for you to have an off day and for you to have available the uploads and just do it when you have that inspiration rather than me handing it to you and saying even though you knew from two months ago that tomorrow by x amount of time i need you to upload this thing even though you have that much time notice that's not good enough for some reason that you might have to crash and sleep through that time period we need to have some way of actually trusting that you'll be able to do your part for that. So I don't know. Can you fix your life and actually be awake? Will you be awake tomorrow afternoon for this forever, forever for the rest of your participation? I don't know. You see, that's the problem. Okay. But so at this point, it seems to need to be fixed. My crashes generally evolve if the weather's too warm or if it's just sitting between cold and chilly. Okay. So Okay, so that's sad and shows a lack of being an adult and it's not like this is hard for everybody else. So it's not a reasonable excuse. Um, so it is possible to time shift the uploads so that, um, they, they happen a little bit later and it lets me give it to you. It lets me, it, it gives an extra X amount of time before the stuff has to be queued. 
because technically speaking, all I would have to do is hand you this stuff with like two clips and the main show all tidied up and stuff like that. And for you, just you can cue them all at the same time. You can all do it, and then it'll be released tomorrow on time, and the That's day after on time. Sort of what I've been doing the entire time. Right. So what what we could do is time shift that by an extra day or an extra something, so that you our live would be our live, and it would happen when it happens, and then the show, then the recording of the previous show would happen, right? shifted out over to tomorrow or something so just in some way that we'd have more time so we'd have a couple of days while we can of of nothing but technically speaking i could just prepare more clips for all others and um and i could draw out a map and it would let me pass the hard drive to you um, at the same time, because I'm reliable, and then you could queue up and upload when, like, any time between, like, a couple, like, a day or so later, for all it matters. But the problem is, you might still be lazy even with that possibility. So I don't, I think it just needs to be you try, you actually wake up, get your checklists in order so well, your workflow so well that it's like nothing for you to just roll yourself out of sleep queue up one of the videos if that's all you can get around to and you copy and paste and you follow follow a checklist of okay these are the tags copy paste the tags this is the and i need to make sure that the the upload date is set to that day and i need to make sure that the licensing is correct so it's got like oh go click on advanced and then go down this list and click on that if you make that checklist that easy it becomes simple so that you don't have to really wait to be awake to have that wakefulness to actually do it you just do it whenever so um when i pass the hard drive back to you and i'll make a note of that now um, so workflow for uploading, I'll say. I'll also send you one of my workloads for uploading that I made for, uh, I guess, my my live streaming stuff back when I did it. And it should all still be relevant. They changed some interface stuff, but I, I believe I was using the new YouTube interface stuff. So it should all be valid. And you can just use that and just replace the fields with your stuff whatever you feel like doing and you need because you need to be on top of this shit because it's going to get it's going to get worse because you're going to have to start knowing how to massage keywords based on stuff you might you need to know whether or not we need to cut it up into multiple videos and just upload like three smaller videos so that we can leverage three different arenas of tags and descriptions and stuff like that and I, you're the guy that's supposed to figure that stuff out because right now we've got zero viewers. Now we've got like one or two that are via YouTube, but very little interaction in Twitch, which, which is normal. It's unsurprising. Um, so you're the guy that's going to have to step up if you want success for, if you want to care.
Uh, and sooner or later, you're probably going to participate in talking once you're confident. One day. Okay, so we're done. We're done. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday. Um, I'm glad I didn't take today off to go do other stuff. Um, we'll be back on Sunday. And I don't know what I'm going to talk about Sunday either. This has been working out pretty well so far. So thank you all for coming, and I will see you on Sunday.